Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1028 of the Juicebox podcast. Today, Jenny and I are back with another In the Myth series, and today's episode is Jenny and I discussing the confusion between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. You know this one's going to be fun. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're looking to support the podcast and help yourself at the same time, CozyEarth.com. Use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% on your towels, your sheets, and your comfortables. Quality stuff at a good price. CozyEarth.com. Then take 40% off and voila, you're wearing great gear on the discount. You can also get yourself some uh, Omnipod products at my podcasty linky linker, Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Get in there, get yourself a dash or an Omnipod 5. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G7 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System. Learn more and get started today at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at GvokeGlucagon.com forward slash juice box. Forward here. Test, 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 testing. There I am. Okay. Um, Jennifer, we are almost finished with our myth episodes. Today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're very almost. close. And that was, we had what, like 52 pages of? Well, we didn't we're read. Almost done. We didn't read everything everyone sent in. It is really an incredibly long document. And with very little repetition in it. But there are some things people say that you're like, oh, that means that. So I get to skip over that stuff. Um, or a lot of people, like you said, I think the last time we talked, um, they repeat. And it's amazing how many people, not necessarily repeat, but people can just say, I've heard that too, or this was said this way to me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of put it all together. Yeah, yeah. We just coalesce. That's all. Today, we're going to do... Uh, that plus a little more. I have two topics here that I think all work together. So we're just going to talk about the conversations or the things that get said that confuse type one and type two diabetes. That makes sense. Yeah. It's all going to fit. First off, somebody said, I had a long conversation with somebody who told me that type one and type two diabetes are the exact same disease. So that must, that must be frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. You can cure diabetes. Now, this is a person with type 1. And I was approached by somebody who said, I heard you have diabetes. And I said, I do. And before I could get anything out, they said, well, you can cure that with diet and exercise. And then that person tried to talk and say, well, I don't have type 2 diabetes. I have type 1 diabetes. And they started trying to explain what it was blank stares, person reiterated diet and exercise, walked away from them. Yeah, that's a person that just... Yeah. They're not going to understand. 
they're not willing to open the doors to start understanding mm-hmm. and be educated, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are quite a number of people here that have been told, and this actually is interesting uh, based on something I heard yesterday, of course, that you can't get type 1 diabetes as an adult. That just can't happen. Can you imagine another world where I said to you, you can't get the flu after your 18th birthday? It's the same. <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. saying the same thing, right? Like, like why would, like, I mean. The we, good thing is that the flu actually goes away. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, oh, I, get the I, flu. I just put myself, I'm trying to put myself in the position of a person who doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. And I guess you just never really sit down and think it through closely enough to go, that doesn't make sense. Why would you not be able to get something it really does all just hinge on it being called juvenile diabetes at some point. This one's going to go away in another generation, I think. I would hope. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, if if that's what's really... Because I, I, I it's a long story that I'm not going to reiterate, but before we started talking, I was telling Jenny about um, Arden bumped into a type 1 in the wild yesterday, and she was with friends. And when they got home, they were talking about it. And one of her friends was a little, like, confused, <clears throat> excuse me, because the person they bumped into was in their 30s and diagnosed in their 20s. And she was like, I don't understand how she has type 1 diabetes. She was diagnosed in her 20s. Oh, yeah. so even her friend didn't really know, even yeah. though she knows your daughter really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She still I, didn't really know. I got to do a two-minute uh, little podcast rant for her. I was like, not nicely, of course, but I explained it to her. But it was just really interesting that I saw that yesterday, and now here it is in front of me so many times over. I can't develop type 1 diabetes. I'm an adult. It must be something else. Um, Am I sure that I'm type 1? That's usually a thing kids get. This is Mm -hmm. hilarious. This is why I marked this one. This woman said, I was asked if I was sure I was type 1 because that's a thing kids get. And I replied, well, I grew up. Meaning she actually did get it when she was a kid, right? <laughs> she didn't go the she didn't go to the trouble of trying to explain it to somebody. She just tried to be funny, which I think is pretty appropriate. And sometimes, sometimes. It, I think there are a lot of things in life that not just diabetes, but we sort of just have to mm-hmm. have a bit of a sense of humor about. Really, yeah. This person said that when they took their child to the hospital in DKA, no fewer than three people told them it's not type one. Because she had type 2 diabetes. The mom. So the mom had type 2. So clearly the child can't have type 1. It must be type 2 because it's genetic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't possibly be type 2. This is a type 2 person speaking. I'm going to mingle these together. I can't possibly be type 2 because I'm fully insulin dependent. And to boot, I was diagnosed when I was 16 with type 2 diabetes. So I can't be type 2. I've interviewed a number of people diagnosed with type 2 in their teens. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh. And may, to clear it up, and may be insulin dependent. I mean, Mm. there are many people of all ages that have type 2 that are insulin dependent. That doesn't, I think it's a clear up in terms of you don't change from type 2 to type 1 just because you are now insulin dependent, right? Mm. The clarification being type one is an autoimmune condition and or other things that we've talked about. I know when we explain the differences, right? This person says I was misdiagnosed as type two because of my age. 
an endocrinologist told me, oh, wow. So they had hurt their back and gained 10 pounds. The endocrinologist told her, well, because you gained 10 pounds, that tipped you over into type 2, scolded her for causing her type 2 diabetes, and that's and that's why she's so adamant about telling people that she's type 1. Oh, that's it. Oh, no, wait a minute. Hold on. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's really crazy. So... So she, she's very, very careful to tell people she's type one. I'm trying to go through this in my head, like that argument that we see all the time where people are like, no, 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 I have type one diabetes, right? Right. This, this situation is what she's, she's being clear and honest right here. This situation is what made her like that. Like, so she's out in front, always like kind of telling people I'm type one. There's a lot of differences. She said, I don't think this. But type twos are seen as slothful, lazy, and having brought on their own health problems. And I don't want people to think that about me. Oh, there you go. That's yeah. pretty honest. Okay. And again, she's clarifying that she doesn't believe that. Doesn't she knows the like true that. difference. Yeah. And she understands. But unfortunately, that is still, it's still a very common belief that, and I think because we talk a lot about type two and lifestyle, right, mm-hmm. that there's a there's a blame that's still put into the picture when somebody's diagnosed with type 2 and it might even be self blame right somebody might not necessarily be saying it that way to you but you may say well gosh i god i had to have done something right this mm-hmm. is my all my fault whatever and i i think that's unfair um entirely unfair and for it to still be something that comes from a practitioner like this person's doctor saying well no you gained weight and you know shame on you and you definitely have type 2 when clearly her documentation should state she's had type 1 oh, for a gosh. long time that's and, so horrible and look what it look what it brings when you kind of set these conversations into motion in society this person said I hate how type twos think they know all about type one. Now, again, this person doesn't know every type two in the world, but had an experience. I got lectured by a type two and I had to stand there and take it. It was really difficult not to yell. So now a type two who sounds like had some luck with diet and exercise is now standing in front of a type one going, all you really got to do is go for a walk and this is going to go away. And, and then, you get thrown in that situation, but I, look at the animus that it costs. That's really, yeah. that's really what I'm, what I'm struck by through these is that people get put in situations where they don't want to feel, they don't want to be told, they don't want to be told, they don't want to be told that they did something wrong. And so they start defending and then this fight just grows and grows. And yes, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? And I think as it grows and grows, you also get the impact almost like almost like playing telephone as a kid. Mm-hmm. You hear something from someone, you pass it on, it gets changed a little bit, it gets adjusted. Somebody else says something, something gets added to it. And then in the end, we're not even talking about it with any truth. Yeah. Right. No, I try really hard to have these conversations because of a thing I've experienced online. And that's that when I, I never, my Facebook group is called Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. And I'll tell you why. 
uh, because if I just call it Juice Box Podcast, nobody's going to know what the hell it is, right? Correct. Right. It's not going to come up yes. in searches. And if I'm being fair, I was trying to build this thing at some point, and type ones are far more active online than type twos are, generally speaking. Um, but at some point, when I started having type twos come into the group and tell me, "I'm listen, I'm I use insulin, and this podcast is really valuable for me," I thought. Do I change it? Do I turn it to Juicebox Podcast Diabetes? Do I, like, I can't say type one and type two. And like, it just, you know, it gets muddled. So yes. I just started openly, not that I wasn't before is my point, but I started openly inviting type twos. Like, come on in. Like, I don't care what yes. kind of diabetes you have. Sometimes, every once in a while, the pushback I get from a type one is, like, vicious. Like, don't yeah. let those, like, literally, don't let those people in here. I'm like, what? And then I can never really understand, like, where does that come from? And now I'm reading through these, and I think, well, this is exactly where that comes from. Correct. You know? Yeah. Um, shifting slightly gears. Type 1s can't possibly be overweight. Type 2s are definitely overweight. That's the heading over top of these next ones. Um, I think the most hurtful myth is that you only have type 2 because you're overweight. And if you lose weight, you will magically be cured. Now, Talk about that for a second. I mean, I do think that's a bone of contention and a, a sticking mm -hmm. point where I see a lot of conversation. So if everyone who has type 2 diabetes, can they all diet and exercise it away? When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvoglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with pheochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvoglucagon.com slash risk. Heading now to dexcom.com forward slash juice box. When you get there, you're going to be met immediately with a beautiful photograph of a lovely young lady wearing a Dexcom on her arm. You're going to see how small it is. And you're going to say to yourself, ooh, I would like a Dexcom G7. Thank you. And then you just get started. There's a button that says get started. So it can't really be much easier than that. I'm going to click on it so you know what happens. It asks you for some information. Name, email, address, uh, insurance coverage. Uh, what kind of like diabetes do you have? What's your therapy like? Is it insulin, MDI, pump, etc.? You hit next and uh, you're on your way. It's going to be that easy to get yourself going with the Dexcom G7. Now, why do you care about this? Well, here's the basic reason. I'm going to swipe up on my phone right now. I've done that. I can tell you Arden's blood sugar is 121. It's fairly stable, but it's been drifting up over the past 30 minutes. I just saw that on my phone. Oh, now people are texting me. I'll put my phone down. I just saw that on my phone. But you know what's funny is I am 700 miles away from where Arden is. She's in college. And I'm in my house, and I know her blood sugar. And not just the number, but I know the speed and direction. Arden has a nice steady arrow right now, but if it was going up or going down, I would know. If her blood sugar goes under 70, I get an alarm. I set that at 70. Actually, her high alarm is 120. I get an alarm there, too. You can make your alarms wherever you want. It's user-definable. And how about up to 10 people can follow? What am I saying here? You, your husband, your wife, uh, school nurse, lady up the street, anybody you want can follow blood sugar with a phone, an iPhone, or an Android. 
isn't this amazing? It's not magical or anything. It's like pretty basic like technology at this point. But when you couple it with knowing what your blood sugar is and the speed and direction it's moving in, well, it becomes pretty damn magical. Not only do I see Arden's blood sugar, that number, but I have an arrow that tells me if she's going up or going down and how fast she's moving. This is, it's beautiful. And I can still help her with her meals, even at a great distance. We can look together at the graph and say, oh, you know, you put in your insulin here, started eating here, we saw a spike. Maybe we can change the length of your pre-bolus or the amount we're bolusing, or maybe that food needs more than you think it does. All of that is super easy, whether we're in the same room or halfway across the country. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You are going to make great decisions with the information that comes back from the Dexcom. I just know it. It is more than worth your time and effort to look into this great device. Use my link, Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Know the speed, direction, and number of your blood sugar or a loved one's blood sugar in just a swipe of your thumb or your finger, however you use your phone. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. The condition, no. No, you have type 2 no matter what. And I think we talked about this before, right, in terms of curing yourself mm-hmm. of type type 2 diabetes and to be specific if you diet and exercise yourself to a normal healthy a1c and normal glucose levels and you don't continue those habits and sometimes those habits can be very significant that the habits have to be changed in mm-hmm. a very significant way right? In order to completely get off of medication, stay off of medication. If you don't stick with that, diabetes hasn't completely gone away, right? right? So there's no curing it. So you can't diet and exercise yourself to a cure. You can hold yourself in a tight range of, you know, where your body is supposed to to live, Mm. But overall, it's it's almost like it's lying in wait, right? Yeah. For lack of a better way to explain it, if you don't manage the way that you've changed things long term, it will come back. You will end up with high blood sugars again. You will end up back on medication. And is this true for everybody? Can you diet and exercise yourself completely out of medication use forever and ever and ever? No. That's not the truth. You can do everything possible lifestyle-wise, and you may still at some point need some type of medication as an assistive, right, as a tool. This isn't a perfect word, but is remission a better word? Or no, not even. I I mean, in a way, I mean, even those in remission, though, in terms of like something like cancer, for example, Mm -hmm. you can get to the point of being in remission. Do they always consider you... In remission? I, I think so. Um, let, let, let me go a different way. What if I'm strong enough to hold up 10 pounds over my head forever, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And suddenly you throw on 10 more pounds, and now I'm holding up 20 pounds. And I struggle and struggle and struggle, and then I start kind of withering away and shrinking down to the ground. That's kind of how I imagine that. Then you come along and take off the 10 pounds. Now I can hold up the the amount of weight that right. I – Right. So yes. your body can handle a certain amount of carbs and impact from from food and etc and 
once you give it too much to do, your blood sugars start going up. Mm -hmm. If you can take away some of that that it has to do, it might be strong enough to keep you in, a, in a healthy place. And, yes. But if you start putting the weight back on and the impacts back on, you're going to head back there again. Is that fair? Correct. Okay. That's fair. And again, remission wasn't necessarily, it wasn't the wrong word. It's just. I think, I think that there is no word is the problem. There is no word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's a condition that's always there. You will always have to do something to manage, whether it is your choice lifestyle-wise or it is the choice to utilize medication and lifestyle changes. I mean, mm -hmm. we also know that regardless of the type of diabetes, one little piece isn't going to manage it all, right. right? So somebody who takes insulin, whether you're type 1 or type 2, you still have to do the other things. And there are people who could eat poorly their whole lives, and it might have other impacts on them, but they might never get type 2 diabetes. Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the stuff that, I don't know, because that's where, you know, look at this person was told, outright told, you don't have type 1 diabetes. Oh, my God. I'm too, <laughs> all right, here's the sentence. I'm too fat to have type 1. I don't even know how to make sense of that. Yeah. I mean, other than I think that there's a misunderstanding about what type 2 and type 1 is. Well, that's what I was going to say. Clearly, yeah. somebody hasn't done a good job for this person of explaining the difference yeah. and or potentially doing some testing, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the, the testing from an antibody standpoint, the testing from an autoimmune standpoint is proof in that. So whether or not you're the shape, size, weight that you think goes along with a particular type of diagnosis or type of diabetes, um, you could have type 1 and be over the weight that's healthy for your body to manage. Yeah. You could, absolutely. This person says one of my biggest pet peeves is that people don't seem to understand that even with technology, you're going to have bad days with diabetes. Oh, she overheard someone at work. Uh, I worked for, oh, I, I overheard someone I worked for telling one of my peers, she doesn't understand what I was doing to cause, to cause my bad blood sugars because <laughs> I have a CGM and a pump. And the only explanation for the highs is that she must have eaten something she wasn't supposed to. She's like oh. the shame around food and diet and weight and diabetes is so big. And that's just a, that whole, that whole little scenario there is a cumulative of so many things that are so wrong with the beliefs that a good majority of the general public has mm -hmm. about diabetes. So many things that are wrong in that. Yeah. She she goes on to wonder out loud, like, do other people with chronic conditions get blamed for their diagnosis and for their diagnosis? And do, and do you think people with MS or celiac or POTS, for example, are blamed for their flare-ups? Right. Or yeah. rheumatoid arthritis right, right, right. or fibromyalgia or those types of things. I I don't see it. I don't know specific I don't know exactly, but I don't see that as, you know, in fact, many people who have celiac disease or, you know, something uh, similar, many people are very willing to say, hey, you know, I've and in this regard, it's really important. Mm -hmm. I've I've gotten these gluten-free items for you. They've not touched anything. I left them in the bag so that you can enjoy at this party or this gathering or what can we do for you? And many people with celiac would be very 
very happy that somebody went the distance to do something because again, there's no, there's not a blame in those conditions. An endocrinologist yelled at me. I am definitely type two because I'm not thin as a stick. That's a quote and young. And she was, and this person was 25 at the time. The doctor didn't even take a glance at my medical report, shamed me and lectured me during the entire session. I sat still as a rock trying not to cry. And it was traumatizing. It made it very hard for me to accept my diagnosis. And I, and I, and I wished and thought that it, I wished it would be type two instead of type one because of the way they were yelled at. It's interesting. I don't, which yeah. makes me in all of these, oh my gosh, in all of these comments, so many of them are coming from healthcare practitioners. Yeah. And, and it makes yeah. me really feel like, I think last time we talked about how there are really good, you know, clinicians sure. out there. There are really a lot of good people who know what they're doing and who want to be helpful and are not judgmental and whatever. But unfortunately, when we talk about topics it, it like this, all you people. hear about are the cruddy yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we didn't ask for all, like, you know, everybody <laughs> please send in your great examples of your doctors being terrific. Uh, but <laughs> but because when your doctor's terrific, you get put on a good path and you're, you Correct. go on with your life. These are These are countless people. They're all singular people. They're real human beings who have these like things in their head now or know that when they're at work that someone's talking about them around the corner. Um, it's, I mean, the, this here, the person that put the list together for me said, um, I, I left just one of these for you, but the amount of people who just quoted, you don't look diabetic as something that they've heard is like oh, ast yes. astounding. I've heard that. Oh, you don't I, look diabetic. Oh. People have said that to me before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You don't look diabetic. How about, like, well, I, you know, what does that look like? Purple dots, green horns? Cause you know, <sighs> oh my gosh, this one is interesting. It's reverse of how I usually hear it, but I was told that when I turn 18, my type one will become we'll be type, type two. two diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know mm -hmm. that one. That's, yes. a, that's a good one. Well, I think what struck me honestly with all of these comments again about from the clinical angle of comments is that for the majority of the your listeners, right? Many of them know each other because they've gotten to know each other, but they don't live within the same area mm -hmm. of the world. And so the number of comments is what's astounding to me. The number of comments that are coming from people who do not live right next door and could by no means have this same exact doctor. That's what's astounding yeah, no. is the number of bad, bad people that are telling unfortunate people coming in for assistance, this type of BS. All right, here it is. Another one. Uh, type two turns into type one when it gets, and I'm quoting really bad. R really bad. Yeah. Like, and define really bad. That's not even a clinical term. This is coming from a clinician, right? Come on. This is insulin. This is the idea of insulin. Like you have type two and someone tells you, cut back on this, go for a walk. And then you get to insulin. And I go, oh, it it, it, it upgraded <laughs> to the right, other it's one. the right. bad kind. Now you got the bad one. Now. Yeah. Because right. one of them's good, right? Uh, oh, my daughter was diagnosed when she was six. I was talking as she was nine or 10 about how her insulin needs are going up and was told by a friend that because I'm having to increase her insulin, she must be getting insulin resistant. 
And now she's going to have type one and type two. Both of them. <laughs> she got. <laughs> I listen. I don't know. Like, I think we need to oh, laugh a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> because because this is these are the conversations. Like, just imagine you're in your kitchen with your neighbor. And your kid comes running in for a bolus and you like offhandedly go, oh, she needs so much more insulin now that she's older. And then that's the conversation you're forced to have. Mm -hmm. Save right. yourself a Christmas card. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, and then it brings in for those who may not know, then it brings in the con kind of the consideration. Oh, my goodness. Is that what's happening? Mm -hmm. Is there a problem? My child or my teen is using so much more insulin than we used to than we used to use. Is this normal? How much insulin should my child or my teen be using? Even adults, how much insulin? Like I hear, I see comments a lot. You know, how much insulin does your child who's 12 years old use? That is irrelevant. Yeah. It's entirely irrelevant. Your 12-year-old versus your person down the street's 12-year-old, their insulin needs are going to be their insulin needs. Do not compare. Yeah, it, never, honestly. I get annoyed with my type two friends who tell me that they have to take insulin now. So now they're also type one. So it's the same idea we were just talking yeah. about, but it's from a different perspective. So that means that I, if, if that person has type two diabetes, they're seeing a physician, the physician moves them to insulin and they believe they now have type two and type one diabetes. How is a, someone not making that clear to them that that's not the case? Because there's a lack of explanation coming from the clinical side. I, I unless again, I know that there are some clinicians who clearly are mm. confused and may have said, now you have type one because you're using insulin. But I think in the office space there, it's the explanation that we have to take the next step. If you, uh, um, you were trying to achieve normalized glucose levels these medications, these changes you've made, they are not working. We do need to add insulin into the picture to assist and yeah. to get your blood sugars down and understand that this does not mean that you have type one, you still have type two, but you are now insulin requiring. I mean, there are even diagnostic codes that go along with the particular, you know, types of diabetes. So I guarantee they haven't changed your diagnostic code to now being type one diabetes. But from an explanation standpoint, that person needs to be told that by the person who is kind of in charge, well, right? Listen, listen, here's why it's important. Um, this is a little short story. I was misdiagnosed and I was getting that feeling like, like I need to change doctors. So I advocated for myself and I went to a different practice. If I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't be alive today. This is a type one. I was told to do better by the first doctor. I was eating salads two times a day, working out during my lunch hour at work. And despite all of my efforts, of course, I'd wake up between 300 and 600 every day because she's got type one and nobody's giving her insulin. Um, I had this lovely type two coworker who pulled me aside and said, you do not have type two diabetes. And I truly believe that this woman saved my life. She told me, we don't have fasting numbers like the way you guys will. Right. So like, you know, oh God, she died shortly after our conversation, but I think she saved, she saved my life. I'll never forget her. Oh, jeez, oh, now I'm going to cry. Damn it. It's Monday. Oh. Don't cry on Monday, Scott. It sets the whole week wrong. Um, 
I gained, I weighed 142 pounds at that point while the doctor was shaming me for my type two diabetes, which I didn't have, um, kept telling me I needed a massive lifestyle change and that losing five pounds would be a big help. <gasps> I mean, 142 pounds is, wow. I mean, I, how tall would you have to be for 142 pounds to be bad on your frame? Three feet tall? Like that's a very reasonable weight for a woman, isn't it? I mean, it's a very re- yeah, it's a reasonable weight. Yeah, what are Absolutely. we talking about? Tell her to lose I mean, five pounds. Jeez, I'm not, look at me. I'm crying. Hold on a second. Oh. This podcast is killing me. Hold on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That made me sad. Okay. All right. Hold on. Um, damn it. Pull it together, Scott. <laughs> um, I, I didn't cry, oh, by okay. the way. Jenny's Just for like, everybody listening. I've heard cry. this one too many times. Also, Jenny lives in the Midwest. She's very tough. Um <laughs> If it got as cold where uh, here as it does where you live, I'd cry just for that. Um, There's a lot of stories here about people who now, because of this stuff happening, they keep their stuff so private. Like, you know, I said earlier, like type twos don't seem to be online at the same way type ones are. And I firmly believe from my experience that really the one thing that allows type ones to be open about their diabetes is that they can say, I did not do this to myself. And it's, right, it's a thing that happened to me. Uh, Meanwhile, that's not, honestly, I don't see see it that way. And I don't think they do either. I don't think they're saying, I'm saying that what I've seen is that type twos seem to be private. And I think for obvious reasons that that are being shared here. And it's very nice of these people to share these things with us. Um, But I see why, where type ones can kind of get the day pass to, do you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I do. I think it also goes along with, um, I mean, there's a lot of misinformation, obviously, which we've talked a lot about, but um, from a type two standpoint, I think diagnosed, especially as an adult or an older adult, you may have been navigating, managing so many things in your life already just on your own, that this is another thing that's added to the list. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you didn't tell your neighbor that you had bunions. So why yeah. would you tell them that you now have type 2 diabetes? Yeah. No, no, Do you know no. what I mean? Yeah, but it's even like, online, it's just, where people are anonymous if they want to be, they, it still doesn't happen, correct. really. Right. This this is lovely. Uh, I found this podcast when I while I was being told I was a bad and non-compliant type two. Um, obviously, there are misconceptions always about type two, but this group is impressive how it helps people. It says um, there's so many people here to help. Oh, that's nice. And how to use insulin properly and regardless of type one or type two. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad. That's um, very nice. Yeah. Uh, when my daughter was first diagnosed, we had to drop something off at Girl Scouts. One of the ladies first told her to take herbs to cure her diabetes. I explained that that wouldn't work. She said, I understand how it works. I used to be type 1 as a child, and now I'm type 2. Oh, good. So the <laughs> herbs clearly fixed the pancreatic problem. But now, <laughs> what are you doing? What is this person doing like wrong, quote unquote, know. right? Now that they have just type 2 diabetes, hasn't it? Come on. She went on to tell her to the kid, you'll be type 2 one day unless you cure it now. What? <laughs> it was my last one. I was keeping that for the end. <laughs> I have no comment. That, I have no co- I don't know what to say to that. Get I mean, on it, lady. <laughs> it's just absurd. I don't know. That's all I have to say. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, the, the, the 
the Forrest Gump guy said it, right? What do you say? <laughs> stupid is, stupid does. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Stupid is, stupid does. <laughs> All right, Jenny. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I also want to thank Dexcom and remind you that at my link, Dexcom.com forward slash juice box, you get started right now with the G7. You will not be disappointed. I mean, that's my opinion, of course. Yours might vary, but uh, it's why are people texting me so much? Dear Lord, I'm working. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Hold on for a message and then you can leave. I mean, you can leave now if you want. You're a completely autonomous person. You can do whatever you want. But if you wait, who knows? If you or a loved one has been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, the Bold Beginnings series from the Juicebox podcast is a terrific place to begin listening. In this series, Jenny Smith and I will go over the questions most often asked at the beginning of type 1. Jenny is a certified diabetes care and education specialist who is also a registered and licensed dietitian, and Jenny has had type 1 diabetes for 35 years. My name is Scott Benner, and I am the father of a child who has type 1 diabetes. Our daughter Arden was diagnosed in 2006 at the age of 2. I believe that at the core of diabetes management, understanding how insulin works and how food and other variables impact your system is of the utmost importance. The Bold Beginning series will lead you down the path of understanding. The series is made up of 24 episodes, and it begins at episode 698 in your podcast or audio player. I'll list those episodes at the end of this. To listen, you can go to juiceboxpodcast.com, go up to the menu at the top, and choose Bold Beginnings, or go into any audio app, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify and then find the episodes that correspond with the series. Those lists, again, are at Juicebox Podcast up in the menu, or if you're in the private Facebook group, in the Featured tab. The private Facebook group has over 40,000 members. There are conversations happening right now and 24 hours a day that you would be incredibly interested in. So don't wait. So don't wait. Check out the Bold Beginnings series today and get started on your journey. Episode 698 defines the Bold Beginnings series. 702, Honeymooning, 706, Adult Diagnosis, 711 and 712 go over diabetes terminologies. In episode 715, we talk about fear of insulin. In 719, the 1515 rule. Episode 723, long-acting insulin. 727, target range. 731, food choices. 735, pre-bolus. 739, carbs. 743 stacking, 747 flexibility. In episode 751, we discuss school. In episode 755, exercise. 759, guilt, fears, hope, and expectations. In episode 763 of the Bold Beginning series, we talk about community. 772, journaling. 776, technology and medical supplies. 
Episode 780, Treating Low Blood Glucose. Episode 784, Dealing with Insurance. 788, Talking to Your Family. And Episode 805, Illness and Ketone Management. Check it out. It will change your life. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Jenny, for being on this episode of the podcast. You know, you can find Jenny at integrateddiabetes.com. Anyway, back to it. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.